Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflet in the absence of Adam Wilborn, who's broke his little foot. <laughs> And this is the Raw Review, um, but before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we preview and review Raw Smackdown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, Dynamite Rampage Premium live events, pay-per-views. We have wrestler interviews on occasion, roundtable discussions, and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. He's not broken his foot, no. but he's sprained it, and it's doubled in size, and he obviously can't drive into work because it would hurt him. He's got like a leg. As big and as square as my head, isn't he? Like, yeah. you've just seen it. It's like, it's one straight line, like an elephant's foot or yes. something, isn't it? Like, right down to his actual foot. It's grotesque. It's gross. He's, but he loves this man. Like, remember in the old office, it's he'd walk around. He a gimmick out. Yeah, of he's got an NHS medical boot, a very serious piece of equipment, which being Wilborn, he turns into, like, his character for the day. Yes. I'm boot guy. And he gets it over. There's a trick with Adam Wilborn where he'll tell you a bad joke and then he'll, like, wink at you or something. And yeah. it's like, right, that's funny. You just winking is funny. He walks in the office, it's raining, and he looks at you with a grin and a wink and says, oh, summer's here. And it has no right, does it? It has absolutely no right. Force of Wilborn. Force of Wilborn's a real thing. Uh, what did you think of this show before we delve into the granular details? Here's my Force of Hamlet, because I thought it was really good. Dub Dub E. Um, I wouldn't exactly say the power's back. It's never coming back. Cody should have won the belt. Every... Single podcast, this gets said, because every single WWE show has that shadow looming over it. I cannot get away from it. I thought this was a really great role. Um, you know, the I think even you were willing to put over like the kind of surprising plotting they were trying to do with the Bloodline again with this tag title thing. Yeah. I remain really impressed with the plotting they afforded to Zayn and Owens and the continuation of, like, just we'll get into it. Got lots to do now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. But the idea that, like, Paul is, I can buy Roman Reigns, like, I'm going to show the Usos. I'm going to win the tag belts. Hey, Paul, call every single heel and make my job easy, please. And then assuming that Zayn and Owen survive, they've now got every single heel yeah. to feed with afterwards. That's good booking. That's how you do this. You're Trojan horse in all your other little feuds while the, everyone's attention is diverted to the big one, and then there's your summer sorted afterwards. I'm not going to do anything sacrilegious and say that there's any kind of deft dovetailing <laughs> booking on this show, but there were... Two separate developments that you could potentially tie together and make two matches. Mm. The, uh, WWE being WWE, they gave one of them away last week. Yeah. But we'll see, we will see, we will see. And they've definitely earned um, 
let it play out privileges to an extent, but let's uh, dive straight into the show. Um, Owens and Zayn open it. Uh, big pop because they aren't wrestling, um, which is kind of another theme on this show, regrettably, um, for most, but not quite all of it. Um, they basically recap with exposition how the tag team title defense against Roman Reigns and Solo Sikawa at Night of Champions came about. Um, and Zayn said, you know, I didn't have uh, much knowledge of it, but it's actually a gift is the word he used because, you know, he said all along that he wants to bring the bloodline to an end. And this is an opportunity to do precisely that. That they talk about how Owen should have won at the Rumble, Zayn should have beat him in Montreal, were it not for the Usos, etc., etc. And Zayn basically cuts this impassioned, well received babyface reel in which he says that Roman Reigns is a psychopathic cheater who's basically gone unchecked for way too long and now he's pushing things way too far by trying to dominate the entire championship picture but not if he has anything to do with it. Before we get into the interruption, did this work for you? Yes. Um, it would have been, if there was no angle advancement beyond the bloodline for these two on this show, I would have started to feel like, right, I get that the babyfaces have to have a clap back to the challenge on Friday, but they could just be gallant babyfaces and defend the titles. But this, to me, I preferred this after we got the Zane and Owens, the other Zane and Owens stuff later on the show. It did sort of make you feel like, oh, you can have... It's still it's still WWE nearly a year into Triple H's run, but these wrestlers can have more than one thing going on in their lives. Yeah, and I just that's probably still basics, but I like it anyway. And these are the two of the best at doing it. Like these two and Cody, there was a reason why they felt like the babyface Superforce head of WrestleMania because they're the three best at this. They will absolutely convince you that this is real. Yeah. And it means a lot to mm-hmm. them. Uh, Judgment Day interrupt uh, to a huge pop in um, Casa Hamlet. Um, <laughs> they hang a bit of a lantern on this in that Owen says that he's actually glad to see them because he's sick of talking about the bloodline. I think WWE realized that maybe it's running on fumes at this point. Um, Owen's just, in his typical way, just said he wants to fight straight away before they can even say anything. That's not how WWE works. Um, they have to talk more, and when they do talk, Zayn tells him to calm down. They are continuing, continuing rather, the sort of bickering back and forth that they um, do, um, which I quite like. They can't just pretend to be buddy-buddy the entire time. They've got this interplay, and it's good. Um, and Zayn says, we don't really have a problem with the Judgment Day. Um, he wanted to hear them out and asked Dominic Mysterio to speak, which, of course, summons the um, huge booze because Dominic Mysterio is loathed or... It's a bit performative, but isn't all interactions between a heel and an audience performative in 2023? And this is one of the best versions Mm -hmm. of it. Um, Owens is like, it's pointless. We can't even hear him talk. Um, He says, can we finally punch Dom? Um, Sami Zayn said yes, but then Ripley got in the way. Damien Priest and Finn Balor punch Owens. Zayn chases him off with a chair, and that sets up the tag team main event for later in the night. Yeah. This for later was good. Later for the weeks to come was good too, I think. Like, uh, genuinely. Like, I I still sort of deliver this kind of critique with some shock. But I would be... I know, like, show opening promos are poison to you. Yes. But, like, I would be super content with this if this was on a dynamite. Like, that's good. No, you wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't. This is... Well, maybe not... You want it to be different. Yeah, all right. Maybe if, like, this was following the like, hot opener, then you have the tete-a-tete between the wrestlers, and it's like, oh, that's going there, and that's going there. Like, like... Being a linear boy. I like being shown the path. You're a linear boy. Actually getting to trouble. <laughs> linear boy. <laughs> <laughs> linear boy. Now available on the Switch. 
It's like no obstacles. <laughs> yeah. But like you just, you kind of like celebrated, but like with a kind of five out of ten party at the end of every yeah. level. What a nice time. Level two. Want another nice time? Walk this path. Is there any baddies? One, but it's really easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really easy. <laughs> but it, the, the important thing is the game makes sense. Fall guys on assist mode. Yes. Where like there's no actual fall. Yes. Walk guys. Walk guys. I want to play walk guys. You, do, you ever seen those games like um, it's like sort of a bus simulator or something where you drive a bus. It's like, would you crash the bus? No, no, you just pick passengers up. Yeah, well, do you like speed? And there might be a bomb on the bus. No, you just pick passengers. It's up. Just procedure. Just get to the depot. I had a, I had a mate that was like, like I'm a wrestling nerd. No judgment. Never any judgment about nerdy pursuits. I had a mate that was a plane guy. Aviation was his thing, right? That was his little. We all kept our like hobbies hidden, and then you go around to your mate's house, and it's like, oh, so my thing is like, oh god, there's my wrestling tapes. His thing was like playing stuff, and he had a uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, and he got like really pissed off when I would like steer the plane into a bridge or something. <laughs> like, I'm gonna fly into the Brooklyn Bridge. I was like, no, you're supposed to go under it safely. Go to JFK. I want to the Statue of Liberty. Crash into the Statue of Liberty. I want to do Ghostbusters. <laughs> On the subject of keeping hobbies <laughs> secret. At university, okay, I was kind of dark on WWE at this point mm. because it was, Sucked. yeah. Sucked ass. And it was like Triple H, Reign of Terror. It was on the tail end of the fumes, but you were still in it. It was still yeah. like, you know, bad. Um, 2005, you know, you had seen and Batista, and it wasn't quite 2003, 2004, but not only was it bad, it was also lame. Yeah. And I had my uh, Arctic Monkeys haircut. <laughs> I had my uh, indie iTunes. I had my skinny jeans. And quite frankly, this is a point where you're trying to have a formative identity and you want to be, you want it to be cool. Mm. And quite frankly, I betrayed myself and didn't really tell anyone that I was half, had one foot in the professional wrestling. Were you still buying Power Slam? Yes. That was a big one, wasn't it? Like, do you want a carry bag? Yeah, a two, please. Two. <laughs> two. This is translucent. <laughs> That's not the quality of the publication, it's just no. the content of the publication. Yeah. Let's just clarify that. So, my best friend, Alex. Me and her were kind of we bonded very deeply by realizing we're both a couple of nerds mm-hmm. and we can be more open with our nerdy pursuits than like a wider, cooler click. Yeah. And so I was in her room and I just went on www.com to look at some info. Then my mate Chris came in and he was a very cool guy, like big cinema guy. Like, he didn't like anything that wasn't critically acclaimed. Okay, yeah. You'd worry about certain things in your DVD collection. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, if I had Anchorman. <sighs> yeah. He would say, no, no, you should watch Police Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Not even the Naked Gun. Yeah, yeah. Police Squad. Yeah. The TV series. And he walked in on us, and I was on the WWE.com <laughs> website. And I went, oh, Sage. And I said, sorry. <laughs> like slamming your laptop. Don't come in. Slamming yeah, your laptop. Don't don't it's dot .com. You've really, like, hit up on something there. Like, because... Same age, same youth culture. Like, remember a time when me and you were even remotely connected to youth culture and new pop culture? Yeah. When you put it like that, I can't think of a time where, like, the two things were further apart. Like, WWE now, to its credit, I suppose, clearly is much closer to youth and pop culture than it was in that era you just in 2005, described. yeah. UK, British youth pop culture, mid-2000s, couldn't have been further away yeah. from Motorhead playing Triple H out for his 15th main event. Yeah. Like... Miles and miles apart. In contrast to, say, like, new metal breaking big over here in the Attitude Era and South Park and everything that late 90s represented. Counterculture that was really pop culture. Yeah. They were years apart, light years apart by 2005. Yeah, it was dead. It's just they weren't on the same, like, because 
WWE was basically even uglier 1999 and trying not to be. Yes. Like, I remember going to a house show in 2004 and Cena was white hot. Like, everybody on the Metro back, it was in Newcastle, everybody on the Metro back was in John Cena shirts. And I was thinking, well, he's like an Eddie Guerrero was on top. And I was like, these are the guys. Wrestling's back. Great. These are the guys. It was a one night isolated Metro. Yes. The next day, you would have never known WWE ah, yeah, in town. Absolutely. Never have known. Bigger now. It is. It, it really is. It is. Like, and that one time in uh, 2011, when I saw somebody in Sunderland Town Centre wearing a core t-shirt, that'll stick with me for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, What? How have these things converged? You know, it's bigger now, it's fresher now, you're getting sort of new characters getting over, and in the first match, it was The Miz versus Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> In front of a dead crowd. Might as well have been heroes of wrestling. <laughs> that was, that was the, the gag equivalent of you playing walk, guys. Yeah, yeah. And it's... One, uh, one the action's tepid. The crowd and the atmosphere is flattened. And it's just not particularly good. The wrestling exchanges aren't particularly good. It's just happening in front of me. And the finish. <laughs> wasn't bad. It was all right. Yeah. So the finish. Uh, Miz is selling... And he's retreating towards the apron, and he ruffles it up a bit. And the referee goes, what are you doing, The Miz? And he goes to tidy it up, and The Miz pokes Nakamura in the eye. Mm-hmm. And I thought, it's not the best kind of near fall where I say, I want the hero to prevail. I'm thinking, oh, well, that's Shinsuke Nakamura's lot for the last seven years. It's happening again. He kicks out, and then he wins um, with the Kinshasa after a pretty good sort of leg um, on the ropes following the skull-crushing finale, yeah. which he kind of, they manoeuvred themselves into it, but he still bit a little bit because it's one of those, it's not the best source of drama. It's like, well, they will do this. <laughs> this is the sort of thing they would do. It's not good, but they would do it, so I'm going to buy this as a development. Um, I can't see them doing much with Nakamura beyond this, but what was your what were your thoughts on the match? My thoughts on the match were these. You know, when... Obviously, World Bond's here. There'll be no... We have to tell the listeners. There'll be no five-star review review today. Yeah, like, we just... Uh, we have to write... You have to like see that. the clothes that Wilborn gets into to go deep into the YouTube comments to find that muck. Um, when a match on Monday nights that we review on a Tuesday is so bland, you've got nothing to say, but better than what we deem skip-worthy, it occurs to me, this is raw page, baby. Like, I can't criticize it it's not bad i would never skip a rampage match but it offers absolutely nothing to praise never skip a rampage match for a five-star review if you don't watch it well <laughs> i mean i'll skip the whole show yeah. but like <laughs> but this is raw page baby this it's not one that we would skip if we were reviewing this there's something else i could think of that I would skip on this show it wasn't exciting it wasn't dynamic it wasn't great it was the amazing shinsuke nakamura i just think you know nakamura's not it still and I wish more people would be okay with that. Like he's got his. If you go to the house show and loads of people are, you can sing along to his theme, and then be a WBTV fan and sit there quietly waiting for the match to finish. Yes, that's Nakamura. We got up for the last two minutes, but that's every match. It's like, all right, this is the important bit. Mm. I, th- I think I've even stopped being a Miz guy now. You know, I enjoyed my time as a Miz guy, but I think even that's past. Like I just. It took you long enough to be fair, mate. He's yeah, been like he's been in for years. Fifty other misses now. There's even more other misses than there used to be. I think that's why. Like overloaded with five and a half out of tens in WWE. Tons of them. More than ever. Telegenic smooth talkers. Yeah, there's loads of them. And Grayson Waller can like is more athletic. Yeah. And he has Grayson Waller should be making Austin Theory sweat, let alone the Miz. And he hasn't been around for seventeen years. Aye. 
17 years, and you think, oh, I think I'm going off that Miz. Hoorah! Let's bring it back. I think I'm going off the Miz. It's been 17 years! Oh, my God. You know how, like, any time that there's any sort of, like, nostalgia show, and say, like, well, well uh, he's, has he done this once? But, like, imagine how mean you would feel if, like, The Undertaker put the purple gloves on for a comeback night. Everyone's getting excited for a badass, and then he's, like, purple oven gloves, Undertaker. Unbelievable. I like those casket grey ones. Yeah. Uh-huh. He did that once, didn't he, against Sid? You know, the Vincent Mann was like, if you look at the garb, it's the same garb from the first night. It's not, Vince. You've got it wrong again. Garb. Garb. Imagine if, like, Miz did a nostalgia night and he came, he, like, dyed his mohawk yellow and he had his chick magnet t-shirt and his long shorts. It would feel like it's 100 years old. Yeah. Hoorah! Hoorah! They get Bradshaw on commentary just to be raging. <sighs> it's better than this. It would be a lot better than this. Eats chicken Two over his cowboy three hat. quarter start, 10-minute TV match in which he does a job again. Be, uh, but and the fans how, only get over the last two minutes. Like, how do people watch this tripe? But imagine how good it could be. You could have, uh, like, John Morrison doing a throwback and coming out in his trousers and doing the slow motion. Oh, there's, there's a backstage angle <laughs> uh, with Adam Pearce um, telling Sonia Deville and Chelsea Green that they can't have the tag team title match tonight. Liv Morgan was injured, unfortunately, for her get well soon on SmackDown. This obviously makes um, Deville and Green complain, and at which point Raquel Rodriguez challenges Green to the match. Pierce says, great idea. You can, uh, what, what, has there ever been a match, right, in WWE history, in television, when two bickering Mid-card acts, backstage, invisible camera, challenges one another to a match, and the GM says, ah, that sounds rubbish, that. I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think the crowd are going to get up for this at all. I don't think the quality is going to be good. I don't think anyone's ever going to remem- remember it. It's always a great idea. It's always the best idea they've ever heard. It only ever happens when the company want to, like, shoot, bully a wrestler. So, like, Baron Corbin would be like, maybe I could take on Seth Rollins. And the yeah, GM, yeah, yeah. The GM will go, there is, no. yeah, yeah. You like, suck now. No, you're awful. I don't yeah. like you as a person. You're boring. No. Why are you still here? Yeah, like, only then. You can't apply that um, context to old stuff, can you? Like, I always go back to this example because it was my first. Like, Hogan Warrior have that little back and forth in the Rumble, and they're both champions. And Jack Tunney sees it, and he's just visualized this perfect WrestleMania main event in Kayfabe. It's like it's not like the cut backstage to Jack Tony watching on a monitor going, this is a stroke of luck. Why bloody not? Let's do it. Wrestle bloody mania. Wrestle bloody mania. Is that right now? You couldn't do that, could you? No. Like, you shouldn't. Thank God for that. I had nothing on the docket. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. Anyway, Rodriguez called Chelsea Green Karen. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Like, all your, all your base will belong to us. Is that going to be next? <laughs> is Karen a bit off? I feel like Karen's being taken by, you know, the worst eggs, the, the bad eggs of Twitter. I feel like they've kind of, like, taken Karen, like, men. I'm talking about men. Like, there's a misogynistic, yeah, yeah there's that's a misogynistic fine. streak with and that's, Karen. That's the point that we pick it up. Like, that's when Yeah, it sounds great. The real bad eggs on Twitter. Love it. These women are being so obnoxious. Yeah. Oh, let's get that on television. I, that is so good. That is good stuff. That's good stuff. Let's hate them all. Let us absolutely hate them all. Um, decent bit of physical comedy here that Wilborn would probably have popped for. Um, Imperium, Sean, walking backstage. When Gunther makes an appearance and a declaration of how he's going to dominate Raw. And um, Kira Tozawa walks into them and then just gets very scared very innocently. <laughs> a nice economic way of portraying to the audience, these dudes are incredibly scary mm. and they will, they will kill you. They will eat you alive. You say economic, and you're right about that in this segment. But we are now decades into spotting WWE's tells. They do not have a poker face. 
And how cool was it that, like, Imperium were just all hour this raw? Yes. When you get your backstages, your in-rings, your teed-up matches, the whole deal. Like, that is it. That is your, like, cast-iron guarantee that for now, at very least, the company is super invested. Everyone always gets a raw. Yeah. But it's like, uh, they, they, get the, they get to work. We're in eight segments, excuse me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we, we like you. Don't, don't F this up. We like you. Yeah. Like, that was, this was their night, wasn't it? And they also like Seth Rollins, who had a sit-down interview with Corey Graves, and it's basically a, a bridged history of his tenure in WWE, mm. all the way from the NXT days, and the Shield, why they wanted to form the Shield, why Seth Rollins in particular wanted to break up the Shield, yada, yada, yada. It's, uh, it's <laughs> interspersed with footage of Seth Rollins in NXT looking like the biggest douchebag alive. <laughs> His face when he's doing, you know, those promo pics where it's like Aye. the moving graphics and here's Seth Rollins and he's just like looking like, like <laughs> smooth, smug. And he was drenched in self-belief back then. He yep. couldn't believe that he was in developmentally, took it as like a complete insult to his character and his quality. But my God, I don't know how they ever thought. It's took them several years and a Pavlovian response song to get him over as a baby face um, to a level he's never been before. But I remember at the time thinking, this guy's a douche. Well, do you remember, like... This self- is all this reminded me of. Self-belief. I'm, I certainly, the, um, in the, once he graduated through the Shield to WWE Championship level, people delighted in sharing gifts of his NXT entrance where he would just fling his... Like, he was trying to mosh, but he would just fling his arms and legs all Pit over the dancing. place. dancing. Oh, just like, what a tit. But do you remember, like, his self-belief was at such an obnoxious level... I had, I had a bit of time for Seth Rollins in that NXT run, but they had Punk go down there, and they were very much trying to create, like, he's a mirror to the Punker. Here's, the next, here's your next indie fave yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah. make it, like, above the John Cena's and the Batistas of the world, and they put them two on screen together for that reason. It didn't really go that way, and I don't think either of them would particularly care for that comparison yeah, anymore, yeah. but that was the level he was at, I think, at the time, down there. Can we cover yeah. all of these just in one little burst? Yeah, why not? So the return to it, um, it's really annoying because they'll have the sit-down and... Seth Rollins, he's lucky he's got that song because he still comes off with whatever this character is as, like, incredibly obnoxious to me. Mm. Corey Graves setting the interview up, and it's mainly just, you know, a video package and an interview all at once. It's all very weird. It's all very fake until... Until the world title just becomes normalized and prestigious and it main events pay-per-views with some great matches and it just becomes a thing. I still can't take it seriously. No. It still screams of consolation prize. Corey Graves teeing up the sit-down interview when they're sitting down and just, you know, get, getting things rolling. Um, says, oh, we're going to interview you, Seth. And Seth goes, yeah, great job. Just don't dig too deep. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's not going to. He's Corey Graves. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't know what that is. It's a frost. No. <laughs> Frost mixing Graves Rollins. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, I, I, I didn't hate this. It's, it was, because it's Seth Rollins, where WWE think this is better than it is, they still think, they probably look at, what's the gold standard? Like Mankind's with Jim Ross, probably 97, for how important that was for his career, yeah, yeah. Mick Foley's career. Like, they probably still think of this on that level. But because of how WWE scripts its promos, they do these every week unintentionally. Seth Rollins, for a long period of his career, was coming out and saying, that's why I broke up the Shield. I'm the architect. Then he wins the WWE title, the Universe title. That's why I'm the Universal Champion. Bro. So they rest, They get their wrestlers to do these recaps all the time. I know. Like all, oh, it's not just it the it's, it's like There's more of it later, my goodness. All of them do it. So when you get down to these sit-down interviews, very little of it feels fresh. Like So in reality, like Seth... 
being the whatever he is right now, Seth freaking Rollins, is at least like him in the sit down context is at least weird and unique because the recap stuff isn't like he's recapped his whole career as he's been living through it. But what I did like about this is that like he's winning at Night of Champions. AJ Styles doesn't have a hope in hell's chance. What's he going to do? Win the toy and then there's going to be three world titles and stuff. Like, he's, yeah. he's not winning, right? But now they've got to do an AJ Styles version of this on SmackDown. And I think AJ's will be better. Like AJ talking about how like no, nobody... I think he's had a very mid WWE run. I do too, but video packages were lighter yeah, than yeah, otherwise. Yeah. He'll say that nobody ever even thought he'd get there. Nobody would give him a chance. And basically... He won the title and he was the face that runs the place. Yeah. Cut to him wearing John Cena's armband on his head. Yeah, yeah. Like Patter AJ. Uh, and then highlights of matches that were three stars so we can pretend there were five. And just like lots of that sort of stuff that will at very least... As you say, like as you point out, this belt is meaningless. But they're now presenting it as if it isn't, and they've got to. So I don't mind that as a process, but I'm not going to buy it. One thing I'll say is that the production values in Saudi Arabia are going to do a lot of heavy lifting for this. Drones in the shape of the belt. It's going to be all sorts. Like I think they'll get this spot on from a production point of view, and they'll fake it, and that's what wrestling is ultimately. Um, one Seth's more bollocks, but it's all gold. Yeah. 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 One more thing on this before we just fly past it because it was just a video package of Seth Rollins' career and I've mm. watched it for the past however many years. As of you, the audience is still aging out. Um, <laughs> this bit, right? Man, the second time they revisit this, talk about the shield breaking up. Corey Graves. I get it. He says something to the effect of, man, yeah, I think we'll still be talking about that until the day we die. Like, <laughs> when I'm like, you know, whatever, whatever age I perish, I'm not going to be chatting to someone going, Jesus Christ, Rowan Saffron's broke up the shield. I understand it's a significant milestone in WWE history. And they push it and push it and push it, particularly yeah. because there was so little else going on around this time that is of any substance. If you look at a Raw card from 2014, like 80% of them won't be there. 80% of them who are still there aren't doing what, anything they're doing now. There's no links. But it was just like, Jesus Christ. Wind it in. Hospital ward. Boop, boop. Boop, 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 boop. It's going in there. See, Mr. Cedric. Yeah, he's not been saying much, but he's still responsive. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, his eyes are opening. Seth Rollins didn't sell out. He bought in. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went as he wanted. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> it's, uh, did, uh, Mr. Delta. Echo, Echo, Alpha, Delta. <laughs> did uh, did uh, Cedric leave any indication of uh, how he'd like to be dressed for the open casket? Flat jacket. <laughs> Dog tags. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Like all the all the people coming to the funeral coming from different sides of the church, like so the the turtleneck shield, <laughs> riot shields, riot shields. Uh, Gunther, oh, Christ, enters with um, Imperium stablemates Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Ga- Kaiser gives him that ridiculous, but so awesome entrance. Yeah. That's just he finds a sweet spot between this is preposterous and it's big time. Yeah, they've nailed this one. Um, Gunther straddles the uh, announce table, stands on top of it, um, and um, you know reads his Wikipedia page. He does, but that Intercontinental title is better than the World title. Yes, that's that's the top title yeah. now, like instantly. 
there's kind of a, he doesn't get watered too often, mm. which is encouraging because I like to watt this guy. These idiots like to watt everyone because they're obnoxious. I hate them. Stop doing that chant. Um, he basically says he's uh, undefeated, longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of the modern era. Um, he dominated SmackDown. And he's going to continue that mission on Raw, but he hasn't got a challenger yet, nor has anyone earned his respect. Great. And he announced that whoever wins the Battle Royal will face him at Night of Champions. And uh, then we get the Battle Royale. Um, the story beats are essentially, they do some stuff with Gable... Chad Gable and Otis, and um, Otis being distracted by Maxine. Um, there's a nice bit of interplay. Chad Gable has got this jungle boy-like ability to make you feel like you're going to get eliminated. Don't do that. But his footwork, his balance, his athleticism, his timing is so perfect that he just has your, don't do that, mm-hmm. when he's like hovering on the outside of the ring, but then he gets eliminated. And then Bronson Reed gets the big spot where he eliminates both Otis and the... Um, Ivar? Yeah. Um, Johnny Gargano gets a little bit of shine, not as much as you'd think. Um, JD McDonough um, eliminates Humberto Carrillo. Dolph Ziggler subsequently (laughs) eliminates McDonough with a super kick. Von Wagner eliminates Ziggler, following which McDonough attacks Ziggler and um, beats him up, which sets up his sort of uh, feud... Um, is Zigzag is a pattern, not a finisher, you dumbass. And I have watched that, and you are clearly absorbing most of it on your own back. That is really stupid, Dolph. <laughs> if you wanted to be a main event talent, Dolph, you are too obsessed with bumping. Even bump on your own finisher. What are you, Shawn Michaels? That's silly. You are Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> Battle Royal. Where is the crown? <laughs> At least put an E on the end. Make it make sense. Do I win it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, once the field sort of disperses, the idea is that they kind of want to spotlight Ricochet. How is it raw when I am cooking? <laughs> I am low-key goated. <laughs> uh, I don't actually know what that means. <laughs> How can I pass a tweet on? I cannot even pick it up. My match wasn't fire. That is an element. <laughs> you can make a fire with a match. Is that what you mean? Make it make sense. So <laughs> it's all very busy. It's un- it gets itself out of the way. We get Ricochet and Bronson Reed having a scrap at the end. Um, in a nice bit of medium and long-term booking, it's clear that Riddle throughout who Im- whom Imperium target is the one they think is the uh, the Big threat to the IC title, which makes Gunther look like a heel hypocrite because he doesn't want any part of him, so they try and kind of... What a match that's going to be, by the way. I know. I I hate it because I don't like Riddle, but my God, that match will be absolutely incredible, and they've foreshadowed it and teased it. Um, But Imperium distract Riddle long enough that he gets eliminated, and then when Bronson Reed and Ricochet are occupied um, on the apron, Mustafa Ali... Eliminates both from proceedings. I thought this was a stupid decision because if Mustafa Ali wasn't doing this deliberately grating positive Ali gimmick where he's a doofus, he's deluded, he's obnoxious, that 
match with Ali playing the babyface against Gunther and just marching bravely to his doom in an awesome underdog performance could have been great. And now, when I see Gunther versus Mustafa Ali, I'm going to want the big scary heel who I, you know, kind of want to lose, I think. And, you know, Mm. that's the story they're telling. I want to see him kick this guy's ass. Yeah, it's a weird diversion, isn't it? They were absolutely just... WWE do this sometimes. Just abandon the... It'd be too kind to call this a situational babyface win. They just sometimes abandon the gimmick if it doesn't make sense for the match they want to book. They want to book... It's a very Triple H thing. They, they fancy Gunther versus Mustafa Ali for the quality of that match once. And it probably will rule. And they'll probably just ask you to buy Ali for one night as this heroic... Situational. Yeah, heroic babyface. But it's not really situational because for weeks and weeks and weeks he's been working on this character and they are just asking you, well, just forget that. And then he goes back to Raw when he's lost and some somebody backstage will say, huh, didn't look so positive when you were getting this chopped out of you. And then it will all depend on whether or not that person saying that is either a heel or a babyface as to whether Mustafa Ali is a heel or a babyface. Completely dependent on that. It's not linked to his character whatsoever, but they're chasing the banger, and I do also feel that there's a certain degree of sports washing of a different kind going on on this particular Saudi Arabia show because it's all insidious. And obviously there are at least two people on this card, more, really, that you wouldn't have expected to be in such prominent roles. And that's how This is how we do it. Yeah, what is it, like five years deep into it? It doesn't just happen overnight. No, no. It's a continued... Project and insidi- Project Insidious. Have to remember it. You do. You can watch it. I'm not going to tell you not to enjoy it. But you yeah, have that's to the thing. It. I did that at the start. I can't tell people not to enjoy it anymore. Like that's the thing. There is simply so much to grind you down. I don't agree with these shows. I hate the fact that they. Happen. This wouldn't work if it was a one year deal. It's got to be a ten year deal. It of takes course, some time I'm... and it takes some patience and yeah, ugly capitalist patience. Yeah, bloody works. It does. Like remember the controversy ahead of Crown Jewel 2018, when dissident journalist Jamal Khashoggi was brutally murdered and dismembered. Fast forward to Crown Jewel 2022, the biggest controversy stemming from, which was, come on, Braun Strowman, don't bury the high flyers. How dare you do that? Mm -hmm. What? (laughs) Undertaker just won a trophy that looks like an ice lolly made a piss. That's funny. Are you kidding us? Shane McMahon, the best in the world? Wasn't that Crown Jewel as well? It was a year later. Oh, a year later. 2019. No, it wasn't. Was it the same night? Same night, and then it just gets glossed over by WWE being yeah. stupid. Shane wins the cup, and then DX and the... I guess that's something that all led to Miz versus Shane at WrestleMania yeah. 35. Jesus Christ. We, we, get a, sh- we get a Trish Stratus promo next, where... And I quite like this, you know, I thought it was a strong verbal delivery. I don't like the fact that... I do and don't like the fact that she's basically said, oh, the Bailey feud was whack. Mm. It was terrible. I, lost, I my, lost my way. Lost my way. Yeah. And when I got clipped in the back of the head, that set off a light bulb that made me realize who I am and what I need to do and all the rest of it. She issues the challenge ultimately to Trish Stratus um, for Night of Champions. And she um, is a very clever, very clever performer, Becky Lynch. Because she says, look, I'm, you know, it would have been obvious to everyone else except me that Trish was a snake in the grass, but, you know, I held her in such reverence that it, all the rest of it, that it sort of, um, she got by me with this. Um, but she says she wants to thank Trish because, again, yeah, she turned the light on her um, in a mind that's been missing for many, 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 many months. And when Trish Stratus dared to call her dirt or stupid, she reminded 
Becky, that literally the only thing that mattered in life was standing up for the people that mattered to them. It's all very one-on-one, but my God, her delivery remains fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. She looked dialed in. She looked like she's got something that can really elevate her stock. She, again, acknowledged that the the WrestleMania program was absolutely bobbins, and this felt like an apology almost. Yeah, I like Becky Lynch's in-ring, but she talked and tweeted her way to the main event of WrestleMania. We yeah, remember that. And there's no shame in that either. But she had like, the match at Evolution, which was one of the best women's matches in WWE history. There was loads of good stuff. Yeah, but from a consistency point yeah, of view, yeah, like yeah. it was definitely that. Like if you think of the, all the obstacles they gave her, and she survived it nonetheless to get that match. That all this took, Austin pilled, ugh, like ancient Austin pilled nonsense. Yeah, like and that remains one of her great strengths. And as well, I, I do resent a little bit. These things, there's two of them on the show. These things being referred to as Easter eggs because they're not Easter eggs because Easter egg became a nickname for things you would discover on a DVD because Easter eggs are hidden and these things are not being hidden by WWE. But by WWE standards, I really loved Becky Lynch delivering this promo with such conviction. Very much a, I'm back. First order of business is I've got to deal with this Trish Stratus problem, but I'm back. I really enjoyed the immediate segue to who's looking on listening to who's back, Rhea Ripley. Because there's your look at SummerSlam, probably. Yeah. And a, that's a big-ass match as well. I've, Have they had a big one in the main roster, yeah? They had. They interacted for War Games because it was Lynch's comeback, but yeah. Rhea won. Did you win? No, the Babyfaces won. But um, they haven't because, if you remember, when Rhea had won the Rumble before she'd won the belt, they passed on the aisle once. Yeah. And it was when it wasn't clear if Becky and Ronda were still doing something. It was just, ah, these exist in the same world. Yeah. When's that going to happen? And this was another look at that. And I like that. Like, again, not an Easter egg. The, the one later isn't an Easter egg because the guy's bathed in a purple spotlight and fully so on it's camera. Not, it's not Kenny Omega sat down in what is retroactively revealed to be Don Callis's home. Yeah, it's not that. It's just it's it's decent. That literally, nobody saw it until after the fact. It's just decent teasing, and that's okay. <laughs> it's, I just hate it when it thinks it's clever. Yeah, it's not. It's stupid. Revel in the stupidity. Like, they, they they love it. They love people, like, uh, doing the... Um, when we were kids, we didn't have the opportunity to do this. But when, like, WWE would, like, paint clues 50 foot high, as they still do now, we didn't have a medium that we could go on to do that little investigative monocle emoji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, where could this be going? Well, there. Yeah. <laughs> that exact route we're showing you. That's where it's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the map. <laughs> that's the signpost right there. You're here. Here's the destination. Hmm. So it's like, it might as well just say, um, J.D. McDonough's going to join the Judgment Day in uh, four weeks. <laughs> Do you think, like... On, like, that brown and white yeah. English road sign. Do you think when young people... Ten minutes till centre parks. Oh, great, I can tell the kids that were getting there for bloody last. You know, like, how Columbo was brilliant because it wasn't a who done it, it was a why done it. Yeah. You see the murder first. Do you think, like... I don't think I've ever seen this Columbo, you know. It's really great. Like, it just obviously plays with the form. It's like Columbo is supposed to be this thick idiot... And that's how the murderer gets gradually fooled into thinking that they can reveal more and more about why they've done it, how they've done it. Because what you see in the first five minutes of Ori Columbo is a perfect murder. Like, nobody's going to solve this. They've given themselves an alibi. They've given themselves an out, blah, blah, blah. And the only person they've got to deal with is this raggedy old detective, this lieutenant that's rubbish. But then he unpicks them because he's a psychological genius, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if now, like, the same people that post... I watch Columbo. What a sell. Columbo kicks ass, right? The, um, the monocle investigative... Twitter people probably watch the first five minutes of Columbus, see the murder plan, and be like, oh, it was him, and then switch it off. Yeah. Right there. I, I, I don't need to watch the rest of this. Got it. <laughs> Got it. That murder you showed me. That was the murder. 
So we do see Rhea Ripley uh, shown backstage watching uh, Lynch's promo on the monitor. Wouldn't you be watching Becky Lynch if you were saddled with Natalia for the next month? Ah, he's just like wishing. Can we not get onto that? Uh, Kathy Kelly approaches. Uh, she asks uh, about Natalia saving Dana Brooke from Ripley last week. Ripley warned Natalia to stay in her lane. Um, wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Natalia interrupts, basically says that uh, she was only trying to help Dana Brooke. Rhea Ripley completely disagrees with this and says, look, I know you're only trying to interact with me to keep yourself relevant, but I'm actually going to do the opposite and kill your career. Too true. Too true. Too painfully true. Too bloody true by half. (laughs) This is like a TV. It's like, you can't, I I can't buy this. Maybe, do I want to watch her? No. Decimate with a riptide, yes. No, do because want, it'll go 10 minutes back and forth. Do I want the nine and a half minutes beforehand? 100% no. Yeah. 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 This, is, this is where this, that is. That's where they are in the pecking order. It's like Natalia. She's been in this for years. Mm. Minimal character development. Babyface heel, babyface heel. Solid hand who can give you a, a B-level pay-per-view match. If anyone thinks this is cruel, this is nothing we didn't say about The Miz on this very podcast. Of course. It's the so. same. Like that's if WWE if if WWE have earned, have got parity or have done the best to find parity, then I think this sort of like critical analysis can be afforded the same yeah, way. Of course, it these, can. these are ancient television characters. Like it's not about their age, it's not about their experience, it's about how ancient these characters are. Because can, can anyone get into this? Like Certainly I say, not me. Beyond and like a terrifying squash. Like you in like if Rhea Ripley stops short of bludgeoning her. But she, you know, you can imagine her with blood on her face. Like, she's been absolutely decimated. It's cruel. It's really cruel. And this turns out that this exists for an actual baby face. But like, wh- hang on. That's, wh- that's unnecessary that roughness. Italia. Yeah, and then that's the She feud. taught us a drop-down tackle. Great. Like, I don't know who that baby face is, because it's not like, you can't flip it. It's not Dana Brooke. Yeah. Like, but if there's another baby face that feels more, it feels fresher and feels a bit more credible, then fine. But I want, like, 60 seconds or less. I've had enough lantern hanging in professional wrestling. 
just it's a TV trope where the writer will say, look, this is an implausible development, and I know this is the writer, stick with it. Mm. Or it can also be adapted, the meaning of that phrase, that terminology to, yeah, I know this one's not particularly good, but we're just going to fly past it, and it's whatever. Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy did it on Rampage. Now they're saying, oh, yeah, Natalia is irrelevant, but... At least we know that. So don't book her in a big match then, Aye. for God's sake. If it takes Rhea longer than 10 seconds, she's undermined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which you don't want to do with Rhea Ripley because she's been an absolutely massive, yeah. massive boon from this Triple H, Pepper H era. <laughs> um, we continue in the backstage wagon environment uh, where <laughs> Positive Ali bumps into Otis Gable and Maxine Dupree. Oh, sorry, Otis, Chad Gable and Maxine Dupree uh, backstage and says, you should be more positive like me and then you might win once in a while. Um... Ali does this incredibly obnoxious dance, which flies in the face of you, saying he's going to be a situational babyface for one night. <laughs> bumps into Imperium, who congratulate uh, uh, Ali, but feels a certain regret on his behalf uh, because he's going to travel halfway around the world to suffer the biggest loss of his career and uh, the beating that comes with it. Ali shakes his hand and just says, actually, you're going to do that, mate, and I'm going to win the title. So, you know, the other thing. The one, opposite thing. One nil to me in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's going to kill him. I'm going to chop his chest off. I don't know why they're doing this. They've got absolutely no idea. Um, yeah, they want people to say, man, that's going to kick ass, and it probably will. Uh, maybe. But at what cost? So <laughs> we're staying backstage. It's a setup for the next match, which happened last week, did it not? Dom and Xavier Woods? Yeah. It happened last week. Maybe. Oh. I'm going to check this out. Check this out. Give us an interesting bit of wrestling trivia, and I've got one for afterwards. Christ, uh, <laughs> don't you there? Hospital pass. <laughs> Dominic Mysterio. Not necessarily about him. It just oh, or Xavier Woods. Just not any kind of wrestling trivia. Um, I learned today. I didn't learn it today. It's just been a long time since I read this passage. That Bret Hart... Yeah, it went 10 minutes, 36 seconds last week. There you go. Bret Hart told Hulk Hogan to F himself twice and then walked out to the walked out to the Bam Bam Bigelow final, the King of the Ring, <laughs> told him to F, F himself to his face. I didn't and, know and that. And went out and had the final. So, like, Hogan is, like, backstage, taps off, having lost to Yokozuna. And then, uh, like, Bret was like, F yourself. And then, you know, Hogan was like, oh, come on, man, that, WrestleMania 9 didn't go the way even I wanted it to. And he's like, well, when are we going to do business? And Hogan's like, well, I can't now because you just told me to F yourself. I don't trust you. So Brett was like, right, well, F yourself again. Watch this. And he went out and fought Bam Bam Bigelow and kicked ass. Three times in one night, Terry. Piss off. My bit wrestling trivia is that the origin of two rock bits is wild. Okay. So it doesn't matter. You used to say that in school to your mates and stuff yeah. like that. You try and say, uh, oh, where'd you get that uh, bag? It doesn't matter. We were nerds. We used to do this in yeah. school all the time. It's a great bit, and it worked on WW, uh, WWF television so much because he just got me every single time, and he just reduced them to little ants compared to the <laughs> god that was the rock, and it was great. <laughs> so that was an amazing rock bit. And not so good, Al, rock bit was, hey, go get a tall glass of shut-up juice. Yeah, Not very good, okay? The origin of these two bits is wild. The first person to say... It doesn't matter. It was not The Rock. It was either a bit of impromptu stuff on the part of one of the worst wrestlers of all time, or that was fed to him by Vince Russo, who was writing Raw by 
virtually all of it in 1998, him and Ed Ferrara. It was when Tiger Ali Singh oh, in yeah. 1998 used to do these bits where he would challenge the filthy Americans, <laughs> the filthy American plants to come into the ring, eat or do something disgusting, and he would pay them money and say, you degrade yourself, you're not like me, and all the rest of it. So he gets this plant out of the audience, asks what her name is, and then the second she motions to answer, he cuts her off and says, that's irrelevant and doesn't really matter, which is the proto-bit, yeah. okay? So either Tiger Ali Singh, one of the worst wrestlers ever, or Vince Russo, one of the worst writers ever, has come up with, it doesn't matter, in its sort of embryonic form as a bit. The person who said the joke, go get me a glass of shut-up juice, wrote... Marge versus the monorail, which might be the funniest and best 20 22 minutes in the history of the uh, American sitcom, Conan O'Brien. He wrote that line? Yes, because what happened uh-huh. is that he used to have this sort of like nature when he was in a writer's room and his way of like breaking the ice or whatever or mocking someone for... Um, a bad joke, just as general banter in the writer's yeah. room. If someone pitched something that was bad to him, he would say, oh, go get me a glass of shut-up juice. <laughs> Not bad in that context. Not bad in that yeah. context. One of the writers departs Late Night with Conan mm. to then write for the WWF, ah, yeah. and he says, oh, Rock Conan needs to do this bit. You should try it out. Yeah. So the person who wrote... Marge versus the monorail, <laughs> which is more lauded than the other classic episode. He wrote several until he left after season four. My favorite, or one of my favorites, Homer Goes to College. Yes, a Conan classic. O'Brien wrote this, and then he wrote a worse rock bit than Vince Russo. That's good trivia. On the best. It's good trivia. You've seen the, you've seen the walls closing and continue closing in on the, on the rock. I'm almost starting to sympathize with the rock, and it feels like the forces of power are just like, get him. Black Adam Field, get get him, boys. Yeah, he's dead. It just keeps happening. You see this latest one, he got bodied by some guy on Twitter. What happened? Like, it's all American football parlance, so I apologize for just not understanding. I'm not going to get the tweet, but like, just basically, Rock was wanting to do the old, like, back slappy, Kurt Angle with his arm around Jason Jordan, patronizing Nuggie moment with this, like, ex colleague of somebody he played um, American football with. And he's like, I'm uh, I'm always team hashtag da da da, and he's like tells this little anecdote where he, you know, when like the Rock thinks he's being affable, and he's like, and guess what, guys, I lost this anecdote, da da da, and he's like, this guy was so good, he took my job, blah, 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 blah. like the actual footballer replies, and he says, uh, it was never your job, I was this, I was this, you sucked ass, blah 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 blah. If you're also team hashtag blah blah blah, where's my follow or return my call or something like that? <laughs> it's like basically he just got didn't happen. <laughs> By somebody that was in the anecdote. Yes. And then, like, Rock's like, obviously the whole point is everything Rock does is like, keep pushing, man, keep drafting. Like, uh, great catching up, great memories. And this other guy saying, they weren't great memories. I didn't like you. The Rock, more like uh, Terry Boulder. (laughs) Get it, because he's living in fantasy land. (laughs) Um, So Dominic Mysterio in this backstage sort of um, bing, bing, bing. Yeah, they're all just backstage larking yeah. about. This segues into the ring. Dominic Mysterio mocks, takes a piss out of uh, Xavier Woods. Uh, the crowd loudly boo the entrance, of course. And Xavier Woods cuts him off and says, that, Look, unlike you, I can fight my own battles. Who has to ask for mommy's permission? And they have this match, and it's just actively generic. It's uh, a bit tighter Aye. than some Dominic Mysterio matches. This would be the skip. This would be the it skip. It wouldn't have been knackered. Like, this was fine. I can't remember it. I watched it. 
Um, it's 11 o'clock. I watched this about six, five hours ago. Mm. I literally have my notes in front of me, and I can't really remember <laughs> much about it. And I should, because it was structurally not dissimilar remotely to every WWE TV, TV match I've ever seen over the past however many years. Yeah. If I'm to analyse How'd the, you do it? If I'm to analyse the details, the intricacies, and the emotional flashpoints of this match, I would say it went 11 minutes. And uh, Dominic Mysterio is so fabulous at this point at getting the heat. And as you say, like, what is a heel in 2023 if not somebody that's supposed to, like, forge this interaction where everybody's boozing out the building, can't say a word. This was a rep. Like, he's selling out house shows. You've got hot crowds for your house shows. Can you do your reps there, please? Yeah, yeah. Like, Xavier Woods is a perfect guy to give Dominic Mysterio a rep. But just do it six nights a week somewhere else where I don't have to watch. Yes. I want to watch you getting booed out of the building, not getting your words out. I don't need to see the reps. Yeah. What yeah. I want is to be surprised on a pay-per-view when the result of those reps yields, ah, I didn't know he had that in him. Yeah. Look what he's been practising. Oh, bless him. Ruffling his mullet. Yeah. That sort of thing. And when he first did the um, In-N-Out Guerrero flip dive, yeah. he was like, fair play, young'un. Like, where'd he practice that? Because it wasn't on telly. He could yeah, have no. fall flat on his ass six yeah. times. Yeah. I, like, this is the boring stuff that you've got to do, but like, save it for the houses. Yeah, this is a three-hour roar. Yeah. yeah, I give it a buzz. I don't think Tony. Gaunt, <laughs> I don't think Tony Gong can book this, and I hope it never happens. Actually, um, so yeah, the finish is um, Woods hits Dom with a dive to the outside, but then Rhea Ripley stands in his face. This allows um, the referee to focus on that and not on. Um, it's a distraction. Yeah, finish, and then the heel wins. He's not without Rhea. That remains the. That but remains the, the story. Uh, that's great. Yeah, both doing great guns. Both doing great guns. Uh, wins it with a cradle. Um, we get a JD McDonough uh, video package. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do the accent. Like, they've dialed back. They've oh, he's not Patrick Bateman. He gets acupuncture. He doesn't like, want to shag muscles anymore, does he? No, he's, no. He's less away from that. Like this. So he's not. So in NXT, for the uninitiated, uh, and welcome. You're always yeah. welcome to the cult that is the NXT 2.0. Join us later. Yeah, join us later for the preview for that because uh, welcome to the craziest show of the week. Uh, so basically, JD McDonough, if you have no context. Another Simpsons reference. You know when Homer's obsessed with going to the circus yeah, and suddenly yeah. every member of the family is a clown. That's NXT. That's NXT. So, bit of context. He was basically Patrick Bateman and he loved the pain. He absolutely loved the inflicted and sometimes he liked to experience this as well. You know, you're like, you tear your tendons and, and, and ligament damage. It's my money winked down the camera. There's dumbasses around. Yeah, yeah, and sunglasses. I really like winking in secret. If you're, about if you're taking a piss out of it, he's obviously still a sword. That's how dumb was it? He's sore. You must like pain too. You must like pain too. You're watching me on NXT. Yeah, you must be, must, be a, must be a masochist boy. I sit through 15 minutes of my matches. You maybe you like pain more than Jerry McDonough. You're watching enough. You're watching my bloodshot eyes at 4.30 in the morning, Cedric. It sounds like you're a mock to me. <laughs> sounds like you're a gluten for punishment, young man. You're taking the piss out of me. You're taking the piss out of me, young man. I'll break it and crash it in anterior crucial ligament. <laughs> anyway, that was what David McDonough was. He, he, was like, he filled himself upside down. He loved it's not pain. in the USP, is it, to break your anterior yeah, crucial ligament? And they're all doing it. I'm going to part of that. I'll do 500 yeah, spots. bones breaking. Muscles <laughs> tear. Uh, so basically, his new character is every heel turn ever, <laughs> where he basically says, I was just uh, tired. I used to think that uh, the old rules mattered, and you know, you get to the top, and uh, you work hard, and everybody else and make yourself undeniable, but you know, it doesn't work like that. You have to take shortcuts in this game, and that's what I've decided to do. I'm JD McDonough. 
Yeah. That's it. That's it. But obviously that's not it, is it? He leaves. Finn Balor. Bathed in purple. <laughs> on, a, on a shelf, on a mezzanine. That somehow has been beautifully lit in purple. I love it. Somebody be Absolute bollocks. But yeah, somehow finds a mezzanine. Uh, can we uh, light this up in purple, please? I want to be hidden in my trademark signature colour. Yeah. And I uh, watch from afar. Because uh, JD isn't going to stand for whatever JD stood for I'm for much longer, is to have someone bathe me in a purple light, because mm. that's my, you know, that's the, that's the colour that we yeah. use for the Judgment Day for marketing, you know. So yeah, I'm in purple, okay. Um, this doesn't happen every match, after every match, but I'm hoping that JD McDonough leaves the arena and then uh, a member of the broadcast team catches up with him. Because then I will be seen to like be recruiting or teasing us. Just I want to do something here. The rest of the judgment day, like Finn. What if um, nobody interviews him? Shut up! I just want to stand here. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> I'll scout somebody else. You try and stop me. So people, that people was... will be banging. I don't know how this is going to work. I'm not sure what I think about JD McDonald joining judgment day. Like going to drag down the vibes. <laughs> Certainly is. <laughs> He's definitely combo showing up at the party, and this is England. It's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like. There is fun to be had. I like Finn Balor. Like, see, you know, like, he's a younger me. Uh, I want to bring him on. And Damien and Rhea and Dominic looking at him. And, like, Dominic considering himself more credible than J.D. McDonough. Yeah. It's quite funny. Yes, like, it is. And then eventually, what if, like, J.D. McDonough? It's, it's like Judgment Day. Like, who do you think of when you think of Judgment Day? That's right. Bullet Club. Like, what if, just like Finn Balor replaced Edge, J.D. McDonough replaces Finn Balor? In much the same way Kenny Omega replaced AJ Styles. Same wrestlers in a way. Right, okay, okay. Um, we should mention as well that J.D. McDonough explains that the reason why he targeted Dolph Ziggler is because he's done it all. And then he reads out Dolph Ziggler's Wikipedia page. Oh, this is this is how WWE tells stories, okay? They have a wrestler win a title vast majority of time. Like more recently, they've done a better job. But the vast majority of the time, these things don't matter. Name me the, the site and date and opponent that Apollo Crews won his United States and Intercontinental titles. I, I can't, but it was probably Dolph Ziggler, ironically enough. Like, but I can't. I can't either. I can't, I can't either. Baron Corbin, so they, maybe? Yeah, they win titles. I think it was, actually. They win titles. No one remembers the, the, the date of the, the, the title win or who they defended against or when they lost it or how good the matches were or whatever. And then they talk about what they've done when they are building themselves up as opponents of somebody else. And then the other opponent says, well, you know, did win the Intercontinental and the United States title, and that's a story, and they've got like 80 writers to do this. It it just doesn't compute, because there's, like, every wrestler has that. It'd be one thing now for a wrestler to have been around three years and to have, say, surprisingly won a title, or, like, a story, like, that you can, something from 20, what we're in now, 2021, because that's outside of the pandemic at least, 2021, that you can, Dominic Mysterio is a good example. You can tether what Dominic Mysterio was doing in 2021 to now, just about. He was still hanging out with his dad. He was finding his feet, but he was getting a bit pissed off. Yeah, yeah. That, that's enough. These, so many of these wrestlers have been in this company since before half the audience in that crowd were even born. I know. And it's just like, well, of course they've got a history. Like, you can trace back anything from the past 10, 15 years yeah. of mundane mid-card action and find something, but it doesn't mean that everybody suddenly remembers it or it adds value or anything like that. But it happened. Just because it happened, you can't use it. It's got to have meant something to people. Yes. Like, and so much of that didn't. It's just this circular yeah. nonsense and exposition, and I cannot stand it. Indershare defeated two guys, and the gag is that 
They can't even tell you the name of the people because Indusher have decided to attack them before the bell. Corey Graves puts them over and saying that they'll win the matches before the bell rings because look at them. You're just not going to beat these guys. Um, they do a sort of sidewalk slam into a leg drop, uh, leg drop, leg drop tandem finish after some incredibly basic big man offer, uh, offense. It does not have that. Are you protecting? Are you adequately protecting your opponent? No thrill. Yeah. That the NXT squashes did, and this is very basic for me. Yeah, there was no danger, um, which I suppose we should have expected, because they'll have been... I imagine in the share, despite... Look at the size of them. Look at how... And we've seen flashes of it in NXT. Look at how devastating they could be. But there is something about contemporary WWE where they cannot actively discourage that until you've earned your stripes. If anything, you should do more of it to announce yourself whereas they kind of do that in reverse. You feel like they'll be let off the leash once they're like, earn people's respect. Yeah. Um, this was committed, if nothing else, but I would like to see a bit more nastiness. I want to be nasty. Yeah, I want to be absolutely bloody nasty. Um, Imperium walk up to Owens and Zayn backstage. Gunther says that he disrespected my men last week. I do not like that. Um, Owens doesn't care. Says, let's have a match le- uh, next week. Zayn says, well, we'll have to find a partner first. And Gunther's pleased. And this ties in the... History with Owens and Zayn with Riddle and the Battle Royal earlier. So it looks like Riddle, Owens, and Zayn are going to reunite to face Imperium next week, which, if they're good, can set up an Intercontinental title match. Really nice. nicely. It was yeah. quite elegantly done by WWE standards, I would have to say. And again, we'll preview it so we don't want to step our own, on our own dicks. But as much as I hate the guy, Riddle versus Gunther could be out of this world. Like, yeah. at high-end... WWE match of the year candidate feels like one of Money in the Bank's biggest matches considering that the ladder matches will be in the headline spot yeah, yeah. Something, a few decent hot singles matches that feels like one doesn't it aye Christ I think about it for then yeah that could be a massive hot UK massive crowd. show yeah. yeah Jesus Christ um, into the third hour now um, Cody Rhodes cuts a promo again he just he should be the champion and he gets received like he's the champion and WWE just continue to get away with narrative cowardice for me because yeah. this man for now at least is very very over indeed um, Rhodes does his usual thing that was the first home of Starcade. Yeah. This arena, the nice uh, Greensboro Coliseum. Greensboro Coliseum. And See that Brock Lesnar doesn't respect the Greensboro Coliseum. I guess that means you don't respect Dusty Rhodes. How dare you? How dare you? How dare you, Brock? Um, Rhodes tells the story of the scorpion and the frog. The scorpion stung the frog um, because it was in his nature. and It's in Lesnar's nature to hunt. Rhodes knew that that was his nature. But he also asked the hunter, how's your face? <laughs> Did this fall flat in the arena? Only because it was Cody. Like, old Hans Christian Andersen uh, kid stories and parables, this company never, ever gets right. Like, this, he's told the story. Scorpion stings the frog. Oh, you, I'm going to die. Why? I'm going to drown. Why did you do that to me? Because I'm a scorpion. scorpion. No, WWE is like, frog, kicked out with two and kicked ass. <laughs> like, was it Jack and the Beanstalk that got wrong once? And, yeah, yeah, it was like, Vince is talking about Super Mario. Yeah. Jack climbed the Beanstalk and then the giant stood on his face. <laughs> Loser. What'd you do all that climbing for, idiot? I'm a giant. Giant. <laughs> crush it. Just and then he did at the Royal Rumble. I, just like, and then the frog said, shut up, Scorpion. I'm a frog. So It was good. Cody's delivery is Cody's delivery is great, but there's a certain, like, inauthenticity about Cody, which I think works now because a lot of people have come to accept it and 
embraced him as a meme. He's so fantastic as a baby face. But you'll stand side on to the camera. And you'll look to the crowd. And then he'll whip them into a frenzy because he's an amazing baby face. And then when he's got his killer line before the next part of the story, he'll go... <clears throat> <laughs> look directly into the camera that the, the operator's in the middle of the ring and say, let's go in the front, how's your face? And you can watch him do the shoulders and you know it's patterned and it's, I love him so much. He's a freak. He's a freak. He's the best freak of all time. I love him so goddamn much. Um, what didn't work for me in this promo is that he tried to finesse the finish and said, I beat him with a wrestling hold. It's fine, but it's all about context. There's a difference between Bret Hart winning with a wrestling hold and someone almost stealing one and then running away. Yeah. Bret Hart never scarped up the entrance ramp, as far as I can tell. Nope. He always just stood in the canvas and was like, I'm standing up here. That referee's going to raise my goddamn arm because I'm a skilled wrestler and I've just won a match. Like, There's a difference in how all of this works. And he says, like, you know, you got a black eye and you got stables, and that's what you look at when you look in the mirror, actually. Um, and I'm the guy who put it there. And it's like, didn't Lesnar do that to himself? Because it was a banana skin where it was it actually Cody Rhodes who kind of held on the old hold on to the turnbuckle, suplex. get suplex. Oh, it's yeah. bloody falling off. And now if I run out the way, you're going to post yourself. And So it's not as if you beat him to a pulp, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the messaging here was a little bit, I didn't buy it. Oh. I didn't buy it, but his delivery is so fantastic. And the crowd reaction, everyone else in this sold out. Yeah. Record gate, Greensboro Coliseum Arena bought it. I just didn't. But again, I'm pedantic and it didn't matter. It's like, it's like, it's like when I remember things from three weeks ago or two <laughs> weeks ago. These things don't matter. It's like I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Do you know what it is for me with Cody? It's like he'll talk and he'll sell this and he'll sell this. And it's, I'll drink the snake oil. And I'm like... This snake oil doesn't taste that bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very aware it's snake oil, but I'm just like, it's, it's all right. It's not bad. It's not a snake oil, girls. It's not pitch black, but it's pretty good. Like, it, it, that's Cody, though. That's finesse was the word, exact word I was going to use, because it's not just that he's finessing a pack of lies, it's that he's delivering it with finesse as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man is only missing the world title over his shoulder yeah. as he talks. It's preposterous. I don't know. Is, like, it is a cloud over every WWE show, for the most part of which I'm enjoying, by the way. Because they knackered it up. They nosed this up. I'm waiting for one singular good argument why anything that is happening in WWE that you like, loads of people like, the building's still selling out, that wouldn't be made better by Cody being the world champion. That stupid frigging toy belt they're all fighting for would be the one that Cody diplomatically said, I'm not being, I'm not going to be this tyrant like Roman Reigns was. There are two shows that deserve to be two titles. And anyway, this was the one that Dusty wanted. Like... How the Universal... I'll see you down the road, Universal Champion. We'll fight one day, but it won't be today. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Off you go. I I hate that they did it, man. I know. Sucks. Cowardice. You're right. Narrative cowardice all over this goddamn show. Yeah, so Rhodes finishes off his spiel with some kind of wordplay about next big thing, and I'm the biggest thing on Raw, and you're next. And it's a bit... uh, Probably sounded cooler in his head, but he gets a pop. Yeah. It's a goddamn pop out the ass. Um, we go backstage again. Zoe Stark tries to brag to Nikki Cross, who expresses no interest <laughs> in um, listening to her, that she beat her last week, and she's again, she's not listening. Stark called Cross a freak. Candice LeRae jumps to a defense, and this uh, leads to a challenge for a match that they're going to have next week. And then she takes the piss out of the way, and they're all freaks, and she's right. There's this weird little gang of weirdos who... Oh, like, 
going to kids' entertainment <laughs> venues when they should have done this when they were actually kids. And uh, they're just on Raw for some reason, even though no one in the audience cares. And Stark versus Candice LeRae is happening next week. We'll preview it then. You know that meme where, like, somebody... It's the domino effect meme where somebody pushes over a very small one and it leads to the giant one. But it's always got to be... Um, like, I saw one recently that was, for example, uh, Big Domino. Yeah. CM Punk earns AW billion-dollar TV deal. Little Domino... Cody Rhodes is pissed off that Stardust Gold has happened at Fastlane instead of WrestleMania. And you can just find funny yeah, things yeah, yeah, for yeah. domino effects. There's loads of them. WWE ones are rubbish because both scenarios suck. But, like, I could well see uh, Candice LeRae versus Zoe Stark because she's decided to stick up for Nikki Cross. Eric Young versus Dexter Loomis when Nikki Cross invites Sanity back in the field oh, of the God. way. Like, Eric Young versus Dexter Loomis. Who's the craziest? Like, that starts with uh, Candice LeRae uh, sticking up for Nikki Cross. Oh, no. At some point... Because that sanity was a thing. I've not got that wrong, either. They signed Eric, Eric Young Young's when there. Nikki Cross brought the sanity logo back. And yeah. He's on that, like, Lanny Poffo deal right now. Yeah. At some point, I think I've missed this out. When's Apollo Crews' video package where I missed this? Uh, I th- maybe we had it earlier on. It just popped into my head. No, that was, no that's after. Is it? Yeah. All right, okay. Uh, so it was Raquel Rodriguez just thrashing Chelsea Green within an inch of her life. Some cool bumps here. Yeah. Some rope neck stuff, which just kills her, and that's the match. I love this Chelsea Green character. Like, give your... Like, you create the sense of hierarchy if you give your perennial losers, like, enough character traits to believe in them for a match like this. She's going to lose. She's not as good yeah. as Raquel Rodriguez. It's a singles match. She didn't want a singles. She wanted a tag. But I'm substantially more invested than... Like, honestly, Chelsea Green is a better loser for this show than half of the men's division. Yeah. By, like, this this match was never in doubt, but I got far more out of this than loads of the rank-and-file matches that you get in the men's division. Yeah, it's Genuinely. Nice, just a nice thrashing, wasn't it? Yeah. A nice bloody thrashing, after which Rodriguez poses with a belt on the stage... Ronda Rousey does the Phoenix to Orange Cassidy kick, except it almost breaks a leg in the process. <laughs> Not quite as good, if I'm being honest. Um, and That's an absolutely brutal comparison. That's like one of the best spots ever. You're right. It's like they were going for the same thing, but like... She completely botched it and falls. Video game, she like... Of, she kind of does a split, <laughs> which she didn't mean to. Um, but she looked all right, because she got up, um, cut a promo in that lousy verbiage, in that lousy delivery. Lousy Ronda Rousey. Lousy R- Ronda Lousey. <laughs> but then, Shayna, uh, she holds Rodriguez up for Shayna Baszler to kick her in the face. My God, is that a concussion? Yeah. Because it looked, looked badass. It did. It's one it of those things I'll celebrate now. But, ooh, I wonder if this made was... that one in too much, if it's revealed to have injured it. Well, I wonder, assuming everybody's fine from this, because, yeah, there could have been a couple of injuries coming out of it. Was this doubly opportunistic in both reality and in kayfabe? Because Liv Morgan shoot injured, so they have to run the singles match instead of the planned tag one. But from a narrative point of view, this makes loads more sense that Rousey and Basil would pick this moment because they're scared of Rocky yeah, yeah, yeah. and Liv Morgan's not there to defend her. So that's quite nice that you've actually made storyline use of a Liv Morgan injury to set up the tag match yeah, that yeah. no one knew was coming. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. The best Rousey and Baszler have looked as a team so far. And the promo was still pretty bad. She can't do it. She can't do it. She's not locked in. She can't do it. How do you do it? You can't. Okay. Um, just because, you know, 
There's a, a superior wrestling outfit to steal from. Paul Heyman shakes hands with Gunther backstage, potentially ripping off the Don Callis will Osprey interaction. Well, that's not for me to say. Oh, yeah. And I'll wait for things to play out. Um, and he shakes hands? Yeah. That's a funny one. Mm. Could that be leading to? What's going on there? Um, then we get the second part of the Seth Rollins sit-down interview, which we've, of course, um, already covered. And he said, basically, he had an organic relationship with the fans for the first time in his career when they sang the song. That's weird. It's true. It's not untrue, mm. but I've watched you do two separate big baby face runs. Yeah. Why are you telling me that you haven't been over as a baby face for, like, since... I if this was just a straight shoot. I was in trouble, man, and then the fiend ripped me off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, three months after WrestleMania 30, where I was a baby face with a shield, and that was good. Uh, maybe the month before against the Wyatts, and then, yeah, yeah, it was a good heel, very good heel, actually, in 2015. Awesome heel, at least in the ring. And then after that, man, yeah, I feel it's a baby face on top. But now they're singing a stupid song. Which, <laughs> which, to be honest, you know, like... Uh, get those dumbasses in the end. Get those dumbasses in the end. Like, uh, I'm kind of like uh, the Rick Boogs who can do three and three-quarter star matches. <laughs> He's much more than that. These people love Seth Rollins, to be fair. They do, yeah. We were kind of the uh, last guys to just keep trying and trying and trying until we got the hell over. I'm a kind of master of uh, reinvention. Can't think of anybody else's like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I took advice from myself. Uh, there's another part of this next week. Uh, I don't know how. Yeah, they've done it now. Yeah, it's up to date. So this was we got. It was the Apollo Crews video around here. Like, yeah, this, this yeah. So I've, I've written it down. Um, so we get a video package for Apollo Crews. You now, just couldn't see into the future because you're not Apollo Crews. Yes, gimmick. exactly. And I wanted to make a point of this, whereas every other podcast or recap on the planet would just say, oh, that's a recap for Apollo Crews. Let's move on to the main event. Do you want the, do you want what they did when telling you that Apollo Crews is coming back? So that he's getting, he's getting a second chance uh, is dream life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's gone. He's... Being on the main roster, didn't really work out, so he went NXT. But now he's got a second chance. The implication of which was he botched the first one. If you get a second chance, oh, thank God I've got a second chance because my first chance didn't go that well. But actually it did because I used to be a United States champion (laughs) and I used to be an Intercontinental champion. The messaging of this was all over the place. Like, did you blow it or what? Because you're telling us you blew it, but then you're telling us you didn't blow it. So you're telling us two conflicting things here at once. And you're also Apollo... And it's not your fault. You, you, a writer is telling you to say this. A hack. You're telling me that the titles you won don't mean anything because you blew it. Like, what? What they're saying? Explain this pamphlet. Well, I can't because it's a, it is nonsensical. But this is why a, a promo like this, which was you know fine, if you just have only discovered Apollo Creed today and just ignore that entire past. Which they it wasn't prob- fine, though. You were thinking, was he good or not? No, they probably should have been wise to ignore that past. This is why it's such a red flag for us and why we raise it every single time, and there's been too much of it, when, for any reason, a character, Eddie Kingston is the most recent one, a character makes AW the heel or makes the administration the heel because these idiot WWE wrestlers so often have to say, yeah, I kind of screwed up the first time. When, for what, the last 20 years, WWE, the brand, has been the heel? So it's WWE, the company, actively wrecking the lives of these wrestlers who then have to go on television and own that wreckage of themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's 
it's preposterous. Like, nobody stands a chance in that system. If you think about it like that, yeah, yeah, you're right, I really screwed up. Tell me how specifically you screwed up. Well, they just never gave me opportunities, and then there was, like, a gimmick that was incredibly controversial I just tried to go with because I thought it would be best for my career, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's them then, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was me. I definitely screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it sounds to me like you're speaking about a broken system. No, I love WWE. Like, it's, it's a mess. It's, it's an absolute mess. mess. An inscrutable mess. That's why we like approach it with such caution when anybody is ever critical of the administration with AEW because you cannot do that. Once the admin is bad, yeah. there is no way back. No. And these characters have got no credibility. Apollo Crews is an awesome athlete. Look he was him. actually really, really, really strong in the NXT. Like he seemed to develop a not like a belief, like a self belief. And he was just like an very amiable dude who'd kick your ass. The match quality wasn't quite there, if I'm being brutally up honest. Up and down, wasn't it? Up and down, yeah. But he just seemed like a stand-up guy who very composed on the microphone. He elevated rancid material. He got his, like, he got his call-up at the time too early. Yeah, yeah. Proper, like, he had an awesome body. And Vince, like, finally, probably, yeah, yeah, he got yeah. something I like. Well... Main event time now. Mm. And it's Finn Balor and Damian Priest in a surprise result defeating um, undisputed tag team champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a long non-title match, 21 minutes. Maybe, if you were cynical like me, you could say it was quite stupid that Imperium interfered on behalf of the Judgment D. Uh, I don't know how to edit these podcasts, so we're not swearing. We can't do it today. Yeah. Sorry, it can't be as fun. Um, because they've essentially put someone else... Further up the queue. But certainly if we're talking about post Night of Champions, so like and you decide of that match, there is already another set of challenges established. Yes. So this was pretty you could classify this as a stupid decision on the part of Imperium. We know why they did it, because Mm. they're trying to make a match happen the right as that is. Um but it was honestly so chaotic and hot by the end that I didn't really mind at all. What were your thoughts on this? I agree. The match was a touch too long. Oh, it always is. Four. There's always one. It's a raw main event. and not It doesn't a... need to go 20 minutes. Like Steve Austin versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13 went 22 minutes. Yeah. This went a minute less. Yeah. You know. Like, it was good. It was good. And I'll, I always like to flag up, this is the most, like, you've hung me for less on these podcasts, but it's so hard for wrestlers to get crowds invested in their matches, despite how full these buildings are. And these did this here. So that's a tick, you know, in the basics column. But I will say, I actually quite like the... Less so about the Imperium setting up the six-man because they're now pissed off with Owens and Zayn. I like... I'll tell you what I liked about this. Imperium were in Zayn and Owens' business before the Paul Heyman handshake, before we are led to believe Roman Reigns is on the phone trying not to reveal that he's still a coward. Yeah. Like, uh, me and Solo will do this. You lose at Usos. Paul, can you get every heel on Raw to beat up Zayn and Owens? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good character stuff. Yeah. And at least the writers thought enough to put Owens and Zayn in Imperium's orbit first. Yes. It's like, that's opportunistic from Roman Reigns. You can believe... That he's just simply watching the show. Yeah, like, we know that there's bloodline judgment day overlap anyway. They've done that. Yeah, we'll help you out. You scratch out about yeah, yeah. shows. We know that exists. So we had some of that. But Roman's thinking... Imperium, that's a Brucey bonus. I'll have some of that. How that you are so much better an ambassador for this product <laughs> than literally anybody else on the planet. I just thought the order like, seriously helped that's them make really, sense really of that. great analysis. Thanks. And it's not just us oh, is goaded. Yeah. Oh, this is cinema. You know, more people should listen to you. Well, because when it's good, I'll say so, but like, it's rubbish like a lot of the time. It's those, true. Those accounts now you tell me it's rubbish. Yeah. Everything. Someone's goaded every week. How's that? 
It can't be goaded every week. There's too many goals. Unless it's February 2020 or the summer of 2021 because I'm Matt Hardy. That's when, <laughs> that, that's when it's goaded. That was the era. I love both those eras for me. I love that because I was equated um, peak era AEW with living in a student house with the one person that got it at the last minute that you didn't pick to live with. Matt Hardy was that house. Yeah, yeah. The Codyverse in late summer 2021. I have got to have this because the rest is... Oh, my God! Oh, we had a mate. There's always, I'm not going to name mine, but... We had a mate I who hope he's decided not he just didn't like living away. This was mm. after uni, and he was someone who just decided to live out with this weird ragtag group. And when I moved back up, and he just didn't like it, and we had to get a random in the house for six months. Doesn't work, does it? It's, uh, I try to be nice, but it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's just not the vibes all gone. They're not in on the milk club. It's like... They're you, the one, like you didn't nah them. No. She was very nice. She was very nice. Jam in your butter from where they've made a sandwich or something like that. And you're just like, I didn't want my sandwich to taste like jam because I'm not having a jam sandwich. Could you have not washed the knife first? She was very nice if she's yeah. listening. So was he if he's listening. But we all knew. I think everyone knew. Everyone knows. Everyone knew. So that was Raw. And if you, and if you don't know, I've got some really bad news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to find out. <laughs> that was Raw. Let us know what you thought about it under the uh, link on Twitter. Um, at what culture WWE follow us all there whilst you're there you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet you can follow me at M Sidgwick on Twitter also coming up later today will we be previewing NXT 2.0 oh. uh, so please join us for that and thank you very much for joining us for this uh, and thank you for subscribing don't forget to do that incidentally um, wherever you get your podcasts from we always appreciate it enjoy the rest of your day hope we were a part of it and we will see you soon Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 